Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius. I am John Ledger from PewterReport.com. With me today to preview this wonderful Bucks Eagles matchup that is right around the corner, Scott. Usually we do these a few days before, but Scott yeah. Reynolds is here with me to get in deep on this matchup, and I mean deep, Scott. What? What's that? Got my, I've got my K-State shirt on. Oh, so you're thinking about this weekend already. I'm already ready for Farmageddon, baby. Uh, okay. Iowa State, Kansas State, wheat versus corn. Let's bring it. Let's go. <laughs> but before that, we do have a, a Bucks equals game to talk about. We do, yes. Normally, it comes after your Kansas State Wildcats play. This yes. week, it's going to be before because the Bucks play on Thursday night against the Philadelphia Eagles in Philadelphia. We've got a ton to break down in this. We're going to look in-depth, as we always do, offense and defensively, what this matchup holds for the Bucs. I was very honest with you last week, and I said I just didn't feel like there was any way Miami was going to beat these guys. And although it was a little scary for three quarters, uh, I never felt like they were going to lose that game, really. And uh, I think this one's going to be a little tighter, Scott. This is going to be much tougher. Eagles are a much better team. and. You got the impression watching Miami that team's a little bit lost right now, and, and some changes yes. could be coming down the road for them. And I don't feel that way about Philly, so we'll get into that in yeah. a little bit. But first, Scott, we got to talk about our sponsor of this show, the title sponsor of this podcast, right. our friends over at Celsius uh, with the unbelievable energy drinks yeah. that they have. I wish I had one here with me. Uh, well, today. I have I was, one. Uh, do you have Mitch, one? Mitch Chimera, he thinks the K-State-Iowa State game is is the Harvest Bowl. It's really not. It's Farmageddon. That's the actual name of the, yes. of the game, Farmageddon. But speaking of harvest, John, it wouldn't be harvest time. It wouldn't oh. be autumn. It wouldn't be fall without the delicious flavor of the mm-hmm. Celsius Fuji apple pear. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's a good one. I, yes. I, I love this flavor. And, and it's not like I don't like it during the summer. It just, I like orange, I like grape, tropical vibe, peach vibe. I like some of those summery flavors in summer. But damn it, when the when it starts to get chilly down here in Tampa, John. Chill, and, chill. It drops below 90, it gets to like 87, you feel fall coming, and that's when you reach for a Celsius. You know what else you reach for a Celsius, John? You reach for a Celsius when you need to pick me up, when you need energy, Mm -hmm. because that's what Celsius has. It's got energy, and what I like is it doesn't have sugar, and that means no crash. No sugar, no preservatives, essential energy, accelerates your metabolism, it burns body fat, and, uh, and I know what you're thinking, John. You're thinking, okay, well, where the hell can I get Celsius? Well, the great news is Celsius is expanding. They're, they're just about everywhere now. But if you want to find out exactly where, go to Celsius.com, click on the store locator, and then you'll see all these different locations pop up. Convenience stores, health fitness stores, grocery stores, uh, you know, big box stores. And if you want them shipped right to your house like I do, uh, I go to Amazon.com and I type in Celsius, and boom, they send it right to my door. I also do subscribe and save, so I have these these uh, awesome energy drinks coming right to my house. No need to even go out and shop. They come right to the house uh, about every three weeks. Uh, the wife Ashley's happy. The kids are happy. I'm happy. Mm-hmm. We all drink Celsius, and I and I, I save money with the subscribe and save. So I think you should too. Absolutely. It's great stuff with Celsius. Uh, let's talk about this matchup a little bit here. But first, I got I to gotta 
I got to get uh, over here to some of these questions here. Just okay. me, Pooh Shimmy says, wait, 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 John, you mean to tell me you've been promoting underdog all this time and you just made your first bet last week. Do you even <laughs> drink Celsius? <laughs> well, you've seen me drink Celsius yeah. in the show, so you know I drink it. Also, ask my wife. I definitely drink it, and that's why we've gone through a lot of bottles. But also, underdog fantasy, I've been playing underdog fantasy leagues. I'm in like five underdog fantasy leagues. Right. Um, this is the, the, as the season begins, this is the first time that the pickums have been available since the season started. So, so as long as they've been an advertiser, I st- when they came on as an advertiser, I started doing the pickums, and this is my first time. Yeah, before that though, I had not done any of this stuff. So I am, I am in like five underdog fantasy leagues. A couple of them are actually going very well for me right now. Um, how, Scott, how's that fifty dollar league going for you? Do you know? I haven't even checked. Have you yeah, checked? I've just this been week? so busy. See? I would right. assume I'm I'm winning or doing well because I'm happy <laughs> with my team. Um, but I, I'm, I'm in first in one of our leagues, I think. Yeah, you know, you know what's funny is like uh, with all these different leagues on Underdog Fantasy, the the premium. Everyone started drafting wide receivers first. You know, I drafted mm-hmm. first every time I had the chance. Tom Brady, he's uh, done pretty well for me. Yeah, right? so did my wife. Yeah, and it's, uh, she drafted Tom Brady in like the right. fourth. I've got a different strategy. I I've drafted Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Uh, in almost all of my leagues. So I wanted to get premium quarterbacks every week. I've got a friggin' flamethrower, you know, a, a legit flamethrower that's going to give me fantasy points from the quarterback position. She somehow ended up with, this was an eight or nine person league with family that we do. It's a very low key league, but they, she ended up with Rob Gronkowski, Mike Evans, and Tom Brady in the same league. And obviously they've <laughs> had multiple weeks of multiple touchdowns. And right. So she's just destroying our league right now, even though she took, I think she took Brady in the second round and Gronk in the fourth round and Evans and like, the, I don't know, something crazy. And I was just like, right. what are you even doing? And that's pretty good. It's, Worked out great for us. It always seems to every single year. Mitch wants to know how I feel about Lenny. I'll talk about Lenny later in the show, Mitch. But we, if you didn't hear Monday's show, make sure you go back and listen to Monday's show. I talked about Lenny at length and gave him some. We did our Leonard yeah, segment. Yeah, we on did Monday. our, our Leonard yeah, voices, all that stuff. It right. was fun. We did, we did pretty it. pretty nice shout out for Lenny on Monday's yeah. show. So uh, go back and uh, check that one out if you get the chance. John, the, the um, funny thing is, people think that we take shots at Leonard, and the, the, the Leonard's actually a negative segment. It's only a negative segment when he screws up. That's right. It started yeah. as one when he right. was screwing up all the time. But when, when he does well, it becomes playoffs. like the, the positive Leonard. Yeah. People yeah. remember the playoffs last year, and it right. was all about Leonard being exactly. doing positive things. So we, yo, we, we we change it up when Leonard changes it up. No doubt. That's right. Uh, We'll always give you the, the breakdown. Yeah, and Adolfo says, shout out to John Ledger on the clutch breakdowns of plays on Twitter. Appreciate that, Adolfo. Most of the time, they're pretty positive uh, when players, some once in a while, players find them. I've got that weird, like Donovan Smith follows me on Twitter now, oh, yeah. Scott, and he like auto retweets every video that like I post to the team yes. almost every clip. So now Don, I'm like, mm. Donovan loves the praise. That's he right. He does. <laughs> Even when it's not related to him, though, he retweets True. it. Like, oh, he's a good teammate. Yeah. Yeah. No oh, yeah. Yeah. Like he, every play. So anyway, he's he cracks me up, but it's always like, hmm, how negative do I want to get here? But uh, you know me, I'll keep it 100 for sure. That's right. Um, Jens, is Jensen healthy? Yeah. Let's get, as we get into this matchup, yeah. let's look first at the Bucks on the offensive side of the ball. When the Bucks have the ball, they're a little healthier on this side. Rob Gronkowski uh, out for this game as well. Let's just talk about that for a second before we get to this Jensen question. Oh, it's a good question. Bucks time 12. Um, Gronkowski is going to miss his third game. They could have put him on injured reserve, Scott. They could have kept Khalil Davis on the roster if they had done that. They opted not to, despite the fact they knew it was going to be a short week from game two to game three. They knew there was going to be some long shot in there. looks like Gronkowski would probably be ready if this was a Sunday game, but because it's a Thursday game, he won't be. Same could be true of Antoine Winfield, by the way. We'll get to defense later, but – 
looking back, is that like a hindsight yikes decision? Or is that one, man, you should have seen this coming. You should have kept Khalil Davis, should have planned better than this and just put him on IR with all the injuries that he had. Well, you know, I, I have it on a reliable source that they were going to re-sign Khalil Davis. They were hoping he would slip through waivers. The, the problem is, is sure. there just hasn't been many good defensive tackles come through the draft lately. And Davis, even though he was a six-round pick, he's kind of twitchy. He's athletic. He's undersized. He's only around 300 pounds. But he does have some of that little bit of twitchiness that is kind of rare these days with defensive tackles coming out of college. So at the same time, he had a hard time dressing on Sundays because he doesn't play in special teams. He doesn't play the run particularly well. That's why this team is keeping old man Steve McClendon around because McClendon can play the run and he can play multiple positions. He can play nose. He can play three. He can play that defensive end position. And they really only think that Khalil Davis can play just that three technique position because he doesn't do well against double teams, especially in the run game. So he was kind of limited and they would have liked to have had him back to continue to, to develop at the same time. They feel that with, with training camp in the preseason, and, and all of the offseason to get bigger and stronger that didn't quite get there to where the team wanted. So it did put him in jeopardy, and, you know, they gambled. Sure, and, and but, they, but, they but, you're, but, but the question is, do they do the right thing or do they not do the right thing here? Do they? And we'll see, obviously, I guess. What you're Davis talking about putting Gronk on injured reserve. Yeah, I mean. Should yeah, they put yes. him on injured reserve? And obviously that would have. Yeah, in hindsight, the answer is yes, because he's missed three games, right? That's the right. thing. I just feel like with the injuries he had, like you could have looked ahead and seen, okay, short week. One thing of it's a Sunday, but it's like, okay, right. he's de- he's going to miss these two. Okay, now short week, we're probably at his age just going to not play him, you know, in that yeah. short week, still trying to get back to 100%. It just felt like one of those situations that maybe was avoidable to me. I don't think Khalil Davis is, you know, anything special necessarily, right. but yeah, there's just such a shortage for this team after this season. Uh, I really hear it. So is Jensen yeah. healthy? Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, there's a hip. He's, but he's probably going to play. So that, yeah. I mean, I think, I think he's going to play. I don't think they, they've right. got three guys. He was, that a, are questionable he was a full participation play. in the right. walkthrough. So, <laughs> so. yeah, For all week was walkthrough, and he went yeah, from exactly. not play, yeah. not participating. He went from not walking play. through to walking yeah. through. So take sure. it right. It yeah, I think he's going to play though. How well he be, or if he's very limited, I'm not sure. Uh, I missed Arians yesterday, um, but nobody asked him about Ryan Jensen, which I was floored by. But um, yeah, he, uh, he. So I'm not sure. We haven't gotten an update uh, from Arians, and we won't hear from him until after the uh, the Eagles game now. So right, uh, we'll have to see. But the offensive line gonna have their hands full, and Ryan Jensen gonna be very important in this one, Scott, because when the Bucks have the ball. I think the toughest matchup that they've got to win up front is with Javon Hargrave and Fletcher Cox on the interior for the Eagles. They faced a couple teams with good a, a good defensive lineman or two, but right. not one with three like the Eagles have and kind of a fourth solid guy in Derek Barnett, yeah. and especially not one with two on the interior that play a lot of snaps in Hargrave and Fletcher Cox. Those are probably two top 10 defensive tackles in the league right now, the way that yeah. they're playing, especially the way Hargrave's playing right now. The funny thing about the Eagles, Scott, they do not blitz. They are dead last in the NFL. They have blitzed 22 times all season. That is bizarre. That is crazy. In comparison, the Bucs are first, so the opposite end of the spectrum. But the Bucs have blitzed 96 times to 22 for the Eagles. Just an absurd discrepancy. And it changes the game for up front because – 
They know blitzes aren't coming necessarily. You know you're going to see some of what you saw against a team like New England where they're dropping people out and playing coverage, but the Eagles aren't even like a show blitz team as much. They were a lot, they light boxes a lot. They don't roll people down into the box. They right. play coverage. They drop seven. They drop eight. That's what they do. And they rely on Fletcher and or Cox and Javon Hargrave and Josh Sweat uh, to be able to get inside and to be able to get pressure as four. That yeah. works against a lot of quarterbacks. Brady's got that internal clock that's just lightning quick. He's the probably the best quarterback in the NFL this year under pressure. It's going to be a great chess match to see which one of those strategies can win. Do you do you slide protection in this game? And what I mean by that is, is do you really, do you really slant your offensive line to where Jensen would double down on, say, Cox or, or let's say Hargrave, and then you've got Ali Marpet getting double team help with Donovan Smith, and then you're having a tight end. Maybe it's O.J. Howard. Maybe it's Josh Wells coming in as that extra tight end, as we saw in the game, handling – Josh Sweat. I think you start this one just playing how you'd normally play just it. Playing honest, all, right? All respect to Javon yeah. Hargrave. Yeah. But I'm not treating him like Aaron Donald yet <laughs> in the right, box yeah. of the Aaron Donald game. I mean, they had an unbelievable plan. And honestly, they did a pretty good job on Aaron Donald. He did get the one strip right. sack, but he they really had a great plan for him. They executed it well for the most part. They throw a couple bodies at him and then they just send the running back, just crash into him as hard as you can and get in his way. Yeah. It was a great strategy. That's probably the plan B if, if Hargrave really starts eating. But you have, I mean, one of the best centers in the league in, in Jensen, uh, if he's healthy enough. And, and right. you have one of the best guards in the league in Marpet. And that's usually where you'll see Javon Hargrave a lot of times over the center. And Fletcher Cox will be charged. Alex Kappa will have to slow him yeah. down. That's a tough one. That's right. one that you could lose if Cox plays this potential. He didn't early in the season. He's admitted as much. He said as much this season. Last game was a step in the right direction for right. him. That was clear watching him. But in the meantime, though, Javon Hargrave has been a wrecking ball up front. Six oh sacks in five games. I mean, he is yeah. he is just absolutely, you know, uh, dominant up front. And really, this is the game where you want Ryan Jensen to go wire to wire because you do not want Robert Hansey to have to come in in an emergency situation. And it probably would be Ali Marpet, right? Marpet would probably slide over to center in this situation, yes. especially against this terrific tandem inside, which, as Long Lost Glazier said, might be the best interior defensive line combo in the league. Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, these guys are not Aaron Donald, but right. it's Aaron Donald and yeah. the other. If Stefan Tua were ever healthy, Pittsburgh would have the top one, right. probably. But, but yeah. yeah, in the and you, meantime. You say that without bias. So I do. I, I think people know that I'm pretty realistic yeah. about the Steelers. I rip them more than I say positive things about right. them, especially on here. But those two are, are absolute game changers. Yeah. But yeah, I think that these guys are in that conversation. And so we'll we'll talk uh, defense in a second here, yeah. Mark. But let's focus. Let's uh, roll through offense here a little bit as we're talking and just say Brady in this matchup is going to face two things that schematically I, I just think he usually eats against. Right. no blitzes which i mean that that can be actually be a question because even blitzes you know he, he eats blitzes too but there's i don't know that the eagles because they blitz so little that there will even be the illusion of pressure and so there will be a lot of time to make decisions as there were again was against new england in a lot of ways in a game where i think he played way better than, than some of the pundits and stats out there maybe indicate the other thing scott is he will face predominantly zone coverage like the eagles run zone coverage at the highest rate in the league so the bucks will be going from the team that runs man coverage at the highest rate in the league which was the which was the miami dolphins which worked out really well for them by the way (laughs) right which which worked out great for them too to the team that runs the most zone coverage in the league and the least man coverage in the philadelphia in the philadelphia eagles so this will be completely different in that way 
They run a lot of two high safety shells. They have limited right. big plays incredibly well this season. They have kind of asked teams very similar to the Bucks to like pick them apart underneath. There's not a lot of dissimilarity in terms of the schemes, in my opinion, except the Bucks blitz way more than the Eagles. And so I think yeah. that's the key for Brady is going to be you have this time, find the holes in the zone, move through your progressions. But there's a lot of spot dropping. There's cover two, there's cover four, a lot of that kind of stuff, mostly two high safety shells, not necessarily even a ton of rotation like you saw in Philadelphia and, and uh, in weeks prior to um, with the Rams. Uh, I think this is going to be one where it's going to be, okay, we've got all our zone beaters out for this week and yep. we're going to go to work and it's going to be short to intermediate, but as long right. as we catch the football well, and as long as we read it well as receivers, that's going to be key. Very mental game for receivers. Yeah. I bet you see a lot less Tyler Johnson in this game, maybe. Um, not, I, I think, I think that's you're right. rude to Tyler Johnson. Right. But. Yeah. Well, the, the other thing too is, is when you get into the zone coverages, right, more so than even man coverage, that's where your choice routes come in, your option routes, right? Because – because you can – that's where Brady, I think now – it was a problem earlier last year because yeah. he and Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, AB. before they get EB, uh, Scotty Miller, weren't on the same page all the time and reading the same picture of what the defense is. And a lot of times it's, it's you know, you're reading that that either high to low or low to high, however Brady reads the linebacker and the safeties. You know, usually I guess you read the – depending on, on what type of throw you're making – you know, you're reading safety. Is he coming down? Is he staying put? How much, how much of a gap do you have between the linebacker and the safety level? Uh, that's going to dictate whether the guys are going to break off their routes and settle down in those zones, or if they're going to keep on trucking, trying to find open grass in, in a, maybe a different part of of the play as it evolves. So, I think now um, you talk about zone beaters, and really, it's it's option routes. It's 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 Godwin. And AB and and Evans knowing Brady and Brady knowing them, and I'm not saying it's foolproof. There still could be a, a miscommunication and, and an interception. These guys aren't perfect, but I just think now this team is so much more well equipped to handle that type of immense zone coverage that they're going to see down in and down out on Thursday night. Yeah, you're right, exactly right, Scott. I think last year maybe a scheme like this gives them some issues. This year, yeah. I don't think that that it will just because of what we've already seen against some similar style defenses that you know the Rams being a one for sure yeah. um I, again both they're just sold out to, to prevent splash plays that also means right. there's going to be low box counts in this one Eagles yeah. play, will play with light boxes they don't even necessarily go heavy and drop out of it they just play with light box and say go ahead run on us yeah. and teams have Scott <laughs> that is oh, not yeah. gonna <laughs> is it like games where like and maybe they won't be able to run on them but in this game I mean you're talking about an Eagles run defense that's 30th in the NFL allowing 142 yards per game they're averaging four or they're allowing 4.3 yards per game, which is a little bit better so they're not like a completely trash run defense teams have run on them more, more than they've thrown on them so mm -hmm. there's the volumes on that side too uh, when you talk about yards they've given up also they've been two of their games they've been behind on a lot so teams have been trying to run yeah. the clock on them so the eagles are really kind of an average team at pretty much everything that they right. do even the John, stats that they're higher or lower on are usually just a product of volume and the kind of matchups they've had let me ask you this because we see this sometimes in the nfl not just in, with the bucks and, and who they play but also just around the league we see teams and it happens all the time in, in every level of football sometimes it's that game where the Eagles might say, you know what, they're going to be expecting zone. That's all we've done for the first five games, pretty much, you know, 70, 80% of the time. We're going to flip the script and we're going to go, man. And we've got some pretty fast corners. We've got 
Maddox in the slot, who's a fast guy. Darius Slay probably still has some wheels. Even at age 30, he's a fast guy coming out of Mississippi State. It, it is – is that is that possible that they flip the script be, and maybe not go 80 20 man? I don't know if they last week, but I'm not sure if they want to do that. Well, I right. Don't know. I mean, maybe just a surprise, but it would be. I mean, they've literally barely. They're like, this is what I mean when saying like the Eagles might be the most predictable defense in the league. Like right. they're not even close. Like they're the least blitz heavy team in in the most zone coverage, and yeah. I mean like they're like 80. 85 percent zone coverage it's just remarkable how much they're playing it right now so yeah. yeah maybe maybe they switch it up but i can't be a it can't be a predominant thing for them because you watch last week even the patriots games you watch the tape and not just the box scores like yikes the patriots were lucky that wasn't a 400 yarder um it's i just you can't against these guys it's just really hard and all all three of these corners maybe not slay but the other two nelson maddox Right. I mean, no chance against these guys in man coverage. Godwin will destroy Avante Maddox if they go that route. So I think you'll see less one-on-ones in this one and more just conceptually, you know, trying to figure out uh, how they can kind of flood these zones and they can get pressure with four. That's what they do. Um, there's no way you watch the last couple of weeks and think we're going to all of a sudden increase our blitzes. Like that would just yeah. be crazy to me because Miami blitz, they tried to watch the Patriots and they said, we're going to throw in some blitzes. We're going to cover kind of similarly. We're going to throw in some blitzes and Brady just, killed him like right. he just killed him you know so, so i just don't know if a team that doesn't do it at all is suddenly going to be like yes this is our thing like yeah I, I don't know we'll see but i think on paper you kind of know what to expect from the eagles they're very they're very much what they do and here's the other thing they don't if the bucks go for wide receiver which they've seen them do some this year right. or even if they play their tight ends flex they will they will guard those tight ends or running backs flex or whatever they will cover those guys with linebackers and similarly to how the bucks do in some ways but the bucks have you know they will they will uh the bucks have like two of the most athletic linebackers in the league the eagles have the worst linebackers in the league every single year and they're yeah. this year's no exception their linebackers are the easiest mismatch on the team it's why i think the bucks can run the football and why i think they can throw the football short to intermediate and just dissect those guys because they struggle so much in coverage Right. And so much and run defense just all around. They're just not very good. The Eagles have never prioritized the position. I talked to several Eagles writers and I was, they were just like the linebackers dude. like, that's, it's just a mess and they never take yeah. them off the field. So there's kind of mismatches to be had there on every snap. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. And don't have much more to add. I think you nailed it. Yeah. I think that side of the ball is where the bucks are going to have to win in this one, Scott. Yeah. Um, and I don't know that conceptually the Eagles have quite enough, although I will say this, They've got to stay on the track of being this year's Bucks. If they yeah. fall back in love with the deep ball and they try to you know, get what's not there, they're going to be frustrated. They have to right. stay patient. They've done a great job with through five games. I'm not anticipating, but I'll just throw that as the caveat that if they hunt that vertical ball, I mean, that they, the Eagles have allowed the second least amount of 20 plus yard pass plays this entire year. Um, yeah. So this is a team that they got to, you don't want to hunt the deep ball against them. You don't want to hunt the verticals when it's not there. They are right. dropping off there, trying to find the football and make plays. Um, the other side of the ball, though, Scott. Oh man, <laughs> the other side of the ball has some some crazy miss, maybe mismatches for the Bucks. I'm not sure. The Eagles have just been kind of surprisingly a good offense. New yeah. coach who's offensive minded. I don't think anyone really knew what to expect to Jalen Hurts, but I mean, considering what's around them, they've lost three of their, they will be without three of their top five offensive linemen, although they have probably the deepest offensive line in the league. I think yeah. they'll be without three of their top five guys. And that doesn't help, does it? Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> help, but Hurts is just, I feel like in, in a situation that isn't really that great, he's yeah. really played pretty well. He's not been the reason he really creates. 
he creates. Yeah. And I, I think that's the thing is he can do some things at a structure that, um, and I'm not just making plays with his arm at a structure, um, but making plays with his feet. And now they will do some design quarterback run plays with him. And at the same time, he's also a threat to scramble. He's the leading rusher on the Eagles and they've got two pretty good backs in Miles Sanders, who has 214 yards, averaging four and a half yards a pop. And the rookie, Kenneth Gainwell, has 100 yards and limited opportunities, two touchdowns on the ground. But Hertz has got 256 yards, three touchdowns. He's averaging 51 yards per game. He's actually outrushed Leonard Fournette right now. And he's averaging six yards a carry. So they're not afraid to run him. He's a pretty thick-built quarterback. And he runs like a running back when he has the ball in his hands. And, and I think that he presents uh, a problem in two ways. No, number one, as you pointed out, you've beaten this drum and you'll continue to beat it until you see some good tape and, uh, and good on you, mate. But the thing is, is this is a very bad open field tackling team in Tampa Bay. And right. Jalen Hurts is the kind of guy that in open field, he will make you miss. And mm-hmm. it, if the Bucks play zone, as I expect they will, they should be okay because he's going to be running into the eyes of the defense, meaning you're playing zone. Uh, aside from, you know, looking at a, at a cutting right. receiver or tight end or whatever, you're, you're backpedaling and you've got the play in front of you and you're mm-hmm. trying to come up and rally and make that tackle, whether it's a catch or run or whatever. So you can see Jalen Hurts uh, coming. I think where Hurts is going to try to be opportunistic is looking for the times when the Bucks are in man coverage because then you are turning and running down the field. And guess what? The, the Eagles have got some guys, and I wouldn't be surprised to see some design runs with guys like Quez Watkins, who is a burner. This guy's averaging mm-hmm. almost 21 yards per catch. He's got a 91-yard catch on the season. I liked him coming at a Southern Miss last year as a return guy. But he is he is a He's Scotty already, Miller type. You he know? beat out Jalen Rager for playing time, who was right. two years ago, the yeah. first rounder. Two this guy can just fly. Season. And then you got yeah. Devontae uh, you know, Smith, who's the mm-hmm. – first round pick and he's pretty fast too so what i'm concerned about is is hurts on some of those designed run plays where he audible sees their in man coverage sends those guys vertical john and and then what Mm -hmm. you then what you have is you've got devin white who can be hit or miss as an open field tackler very good last week against the dolphins but then the other guy kevin minter and i love him he's an experienced grizzled savvy veteran in this Mm -hmm. scheme but he's also 30 years old, maybe 31, and he's not nearly as athletic as Levante David is, nor yeah, is he even close to what Devin White is. So if you're going to if you're going to scheme some runs, you're going to do it towards the weak side of that that Buccaneers offense, towards the left side of your offense, uh, the weak side defense, and and really target Minter in the run game and make him catch you if you're Jalen Hurts mm-hmm. and make an open field tackle. Right, for sure. We appreciate the Super Chats. Jonathan Stone with the $5 Super Chat. Robert Gordon with the Super Chat. Uh, Jonathan says, I see White and Whitehead having a huge game against the Eagles. Going to go beast on them. Keep up the great work, fellas. Love the content. Appreciate that, Jonathan. Yeah, this is going to be a big game for Devin White because he's. this is the first time in his career he's played without Levante David, Scott. Isn't right. that crazy? Like yeah. This is the first time we'll see That's him true. without David next to him to you know get him. It's not. It's a factor. So, it's going to be interesting to see how he plays, especially given the matchup. Do they spy uh, you know, Hurts with, with with White at times? It's possible. 
I think you're dead on about the coverage though. This has this the Bucks need to be very careful when they go man coverage in this game. Right. I mean, in the red zone, sure, like those areas, okay, but they do not have a lot of speed at corner. And right. uh, Richard Sherman might not be running four seven right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm just saying they need to be very careful about when they do that. This is a game where you do not want to allow big plays. I know the last right. two weeks they've said, okay, we're going to play a little more man coverage, and I get it. Because Philadelphia, because New England and Miami, neither of them have been hunting the big play this season. Both yeah. have been very conservative, throwing the ball short. That's and it played, you know, even though they could have done some things better in terms of tackling and finishing. And the Dolphins misusing Jalen Waddle by putting him in yeah, the slot right. where he's got to right. run through all this traffic. Oh, just put the guy outside and right. just have him go with that four three yeah. speed, you know. Right. So the Bucks have done a great job of keeping things in front of them, even with more man coverage. But you saw late in the game, Brissett missed a deep shot. Richard Sherman got ran by a little bit. Jordan Whitehead got right. ran by a little bit. They are lacking speed without uh, Antoine Winfield back there. They need to keep things in front of them. They need to yeah. tackle the catch better. They need to play more of that. I know people hate it. They need to play soft coverage, though, because right. Jalen Hurts is not Jacoby Brissett. He's not Mac Jones. He will right. take shots. He will absolutely throw the football down the field on you. He'll throw into tight windows. He'll be more aggressive as a passer, and so the Bucs need to basically kind of coach it and scheme it in preparation for a quarterback who has some stones. Yes. Deus flex machina. We are not talking up the Eagles like they have an elite offense, but they have speed, and speed is something you can't coach. And right yeah. now, the Bucs don't have a lot of speed in the secondary. Winfield is a pretty fast safety. He's faster than Mike Edwards. He's not playing. I mean, Jamel the- Dean is back, uh, but Richard Sherman, like you said, is – uh, I mean, all the Eagles guys are fast. So yeah, Smith's yeah. definitely fast enough. Rager's exactly. a speedster, and Watkins is a speedster. And right. no Dallas Goddard will help the Bucks because he's yeah. you know you saw the the tight ends um, for Miami do, do some good things, and Goddard's better than those guys, I think. But we're not talking about the Eagles like they're a great offense. But I, I'm not sure right. I totally understand that comment because Miami was the worst offense in the league in every category, and for three quarters they, they kept pretty competitive uh and right. and, and so Philadelphia's market better than them every statistical category quarterback yeah. play all of it you know product well, on the field points it, they're, it's a more dangerous team so yeah they deserve some respect here there's no doubt about that and the thing too john is is when you look at what miles gaskin was able to do um uh, with i think 70 yards receiving and he had two touchdowns in the game you know you look at a guy like like kenneth gainwell uh, and Sanders, both of those guys. That was my are, guy coming out, Scott. Yeah, you oh, remember me was, too. Yeah, we loved yeah, we Kenneth Gainwell out of Memphis because this guy's <laughs> We're got a sucker receiver for hands. Memphis running backs. We are, yes. Well, they're, we they're, good. they're good. They're <laughs> good. Yeah, they are. Uh, but the thing is with Gainwell, he's got two rushing touchdowns. Both of these guys can can make plays with the ball in their hands in the passing game. Gainwell can run any route. I mean, he just can. He is a wide receiver played, playing running. Played wideout basically in college. Yeah, and and so. If, if Todd Bowles is going to sit there and deploy Jason Pierre-Paul, you know, uh, Mr. Club Rib, emphasis on mm-hmm. the club, uh, and Anthony Nelson and Joe Tryon showing in coverage, rather than have them do what they do best, which is rush the passer, then uh, you're going to see a very happy Eagles sideline because they would love that. They would love nothing more. And, and also, do I think Minter's going to be targeted, right? They're going to try to get Minter on wheel routes, um, and they're, they're going to – they're going to see what the Eagles yeah. did and say, oh, you have Miles Gaskins. We have two Miles Gaskin types. And these guys are probably better than Miles Gaskin and Sanders right. and Gainwell. I think we're going to see some two back like the Cowboys yeah. did with with Elliott and Pollard. 
Right. I think we're going to see, especially with Goddard out, I think it's going to be like, okay, we don't want to go 12 as much as we did before. You know, 12 right. personnel with Ian Ertz on the field. Now we're going to go, you know, with Goddard out there. He could put, I mean, with Goddard out of the game, you know, it might be a situation where you see two receivers and Ertz and then two backs and, and right. you're using Gainwell on the slot and you're right. having him do some of the things Tony Pollard, speaking of the Memphis stuff, uh, right. Tony Pollard did with Dallas. And I think it's going to be a kind of a similar approach. And Miles Sanders is playing like the Zeke Elliott role. And they did some good things with that. But I think you're going to see some screens. I think you're going to see a lot of the yes. if, if, if uh, Tampa Bay is going to play off, I think you're going to see Eagles go underneath. And I just think right now the key for the Bucks defense, Scott, is if the pass rush wins. If they dominate, Jalen right. Hurts will hold the ball. The one knock I, I did find him statistically, he will hold the ball. You know, his, his average time to throw is – 2.93 seconds. That's 25th right. in the NFL this year. He's near the bottom. He'll hold the ball. Look, he is out of pressure too. So you got to fish. It's not just beating, winning your one on ones like it was against Atlanta. If you win those, you're probably going to, but nope, you got to get Jalen Hurts on the ground too. And that's a struggle. He's more athletic than Jacoby Brissett and Mac yeah. Jones for sure. So it's a tough challenge for the Bucs defense to me because even if they do some things right to take away the big play, Right. There's the other elements that have bugged them that I think Philadelphia is prepared to attack. Unlike other teams, maybe they're prepared to attack short to intermediate. Mm-hmm. They have speed, they have yak ability. And I just, I, can they can pass rush take over a game? I know it's a right. good offensive line, even with three guys out, but can they dominate the game? Like, can they win tons of one-on-ones and finish? They missed five the sacks and they had three last week. Yeah. You know, they, we're going to say it every week. Like, right until the pass rush, if the pass rush doesn't dominate for Tampa Bay, right. the way they're playing defense and now the way they have to play defense, to be right. honest, because just because of the injuries, they're going to be in trouble. Like that's it. That's yeah. kind of so, it. I think. So here's the thing. Uh, Scott needs to get to the bottom of the lack of try on usage. I kind of have, I have it on, on a, a, a pretty good source that this is a personality uh, issue, not personnel personality. Jason Pierre-Paul, I love him. He's one of my favorite Buccaneers cover because he's a throwback. Like you could put Jason Pierre-Paul and line him opposite uh, Simeon Rice and Warren Sapp and Derek Brooks and John Lish. He fits in in that defense, that type of old-school mentality. You can tell this guy has been groomed by the likes of O.C. Umanura, Michael Strahan, Justin Tuck, those kind of guys because he's got that old-school type of approach. So I love Jason Pierre-Paul. I want to state that. First and foremost, he is an alpha. If you've spent five seconds with this guy, much less five minutes, you know he is an absolute alpha. Shaq Barrett is not an alpha. Shaq Barrett's a great player, but if you listen to his post-game press conference, he talked about having to flip the switch and become a different person on the field because he's not that person all the time. He's got to become more of like an animal on the field because he's not that he's more laid back and, and mild mannered mm-hmm. off the field. Jason Pierre Paul is is one thousand percent all the time on the field, off the field when he's sleeping. I mean, it just he is nothing but energy. The Bucks like his energy. They know he brings the energy. The problem is, is you can still be that energy guy on the sidelines and not have to play 80 percent of the snaps. You can still bring the energy fifty yes. percent of the time. Right. Okay. And rest your your older body for a 17 game season and get the rookie out there. Cause the only way Joe trying showing is going to get better is with the playing time. The other thing I'll mention is, is Joe trying is not an alpha, at least not yet. Right. He is a, 
He is a, I'm going to come in and be a sponge. I, I've got, hold on. I've got these two guys here. I'm going to defer to JPP. I'm going to defer to Shaq because they're, they're oh, teaching yeah, yeah. me. In that way. Right? Yeah. 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 In that way. I'm saying personality, yeah, yeah. personality, not personnel. So, so are you so, saying that's, so that's impacting the coaches? Yes. Jason Pierre Paul says, I'm back. I'm playing. End sure. of story. Right. I mean, I mean, we've basically heard this from coaches and JPP that yes. he's they coaches sometimes think I want to play, I should play less. He said last yes. year, but I never want to come off the field. So right. I, you know, yeah. He's the alpha in the room and he gets what he wants. When Shaq Barrett, my biggest com- complaint, and yes, John, I was excited to see Shaq Barrett get a what? A sack fumble from what side? The right side, right? <laughs> he whipped around the tackle. Listen, this guy. Had 19 and a half sacks. I I believe he had 13 from the right side in that Pro Bowl season back in 2019. He also had six forced fumbles to lead the Bucs that year. Most of which were on the right side. Best game as a Bac. He was so good in week five. He was was established on the right side. When Jason Pierre-Paul came back from the neck injury, he played mostly on the left side. They did switch back and forth. But when Jason Pierre-Paul was healthy heading into 2020, he said, hey, I like playing on the right side better. Shaq was like, oh, okay, sounds good. I'll play on the left side, no problem. Because that's who Shaq is. He's a people pleaser. He's a good guy. He's a nice guy. But th- th- at some what's point What's his Enneagram time, number? What's that? What's his Enneagram number? <laughs> yeah, I'm, it's like it, at some point in time, though, if you're Larry Foote, if you're Todd Bowles, you got to like, like, you know, use some analytics, right? Mm-hmm. And look at the stats and say, wow, you're more productive on the right side. And damn, JPP, when you came back in the last 10 games, you had eight and a half sacks, mostly from the left side. So we're going to put you guys there. Yeah. And JPP so, moved around some in the last game. And yeah, we'll they see did. what happens they, moving they, they forward. Around. But it could be his but, hand too, right? Well, yeah, that's the thing. It's like uh, I love his energy. I love him coming back. But he missed tackles. He missed some sacks because he's got a club on. I'm sympathetic to that. So I want a guy that has two able hands out yeah. there more than one guy with the club. Right. So until yeah. JPP loses the club, I say you're capped at 50%, JPP. I'm sorry. We'll try to use you the best way possible. But I want you to try out there 50% of the time until JPP gets all the way back. Yeah. And I kind of get – I mean, coaches – I don't, I'm not saying I'm not ready to condemn the coaches after one time JPP coming back. You want to see his effectiveness. You want to see how it goes. All right, but now you've got a tape. And, you know, JPP wasn't horrible. He hasn't been horrible this right. year or anything. It's just it, nobody wants him not to play at all. But yeah. I think that's the problem. He had 17 snaps in the last game. Yeah, that's the problem. Him. Right. Joe Tronchenko played 17 snaps. That's his season low. Like, right. He what he played his best football the last two games when he's played the most snaps. So now right. you're going to cut him down against the team that pat, ran the ball against you like seven times yeah. with running backs. I mean, come on, that just doesn't like this. Joe Tronchenko is a better pass rusher than he's a more dangerous pass rusher than Jason Pierre-Paul right now. So if, if taking him off the field when teams are passing against you at the highest rate in the league is just foolishness in my opinion. Yeah. It's preparing, and I know Joe Tronchenko lost contain on a run and. Yeah. You know, he's he's not he's gonna be learn perfect. though. He's right. gotta learn. Like you know, like you for example, right. you know, he missed a sack. Like he had a, a perfect opportunity to get the sack that Levante David got credit for in the first quarter because he just took the wrong angle. He didn't keep going flat toward down the line of scrimmage, knowing that Brissett is going to going to come to you. You don't have mm-hmm. to go chase him, you just have to keep running flat because the sideline is your twelfth defender. So run like go parallel to the line of scrimmage with a slight angle. But when you go right at the quarterback and you're not targeting this this shoulder here, you're you end up whipping on this hip over here. 
Yeah, for sure. And Corey Williams says JPP is 106 of 108 in pass rush win rate. Tryon is 39 of 108. I hear you, Corey. I, I am not crazy about ESP. Some of those, like the, for example, they have the Bucks as like the 22nd or 24th ranked offensive line. I don't just don't even know how like pass block win rate. And I, you know, I'm a huge analytics guy, and I talk to those right. guys all the time. I'm just not sure that they really measure it very well for O line at least. Maybe for D line, it's a little better. I've seen some things. I'm like that. Just I don't. I don't think that that's accurate. Like, what's a win to them might not be a win to somebody like me. And no offense right. to them, with how much they watch tape, but it just it's too ambiguous of a stat to me. I'm not. Jason Pierre-Paul has seven tackles, no sacks. Having said that, Jason Pierre-Paul is not like I'm not like. Do I think he's a third worst edge defender to play this Absolutely year? No. no, but I don't think he's. He's one of the top 64 either this year. Exactly. So like, yeah, that's kind of where you're at with him. Okay. How can you use him? Somebody mentioned a good, you know, use him on the interior at times, right? This is kind of something I've been going on and on and on about for, since I basically joined Peter report, Jason Pierre Paul does his best work as a pass rusher when he's rushing on the inside. Right now I'll admit with one hand, that's tough, um, and, yeah. but the bucks need to accept the fact, Scott, they have to accept the fact. This is one of the most important, most critical things they need to do moving forward that they are being thrown at at an astronomical rate that is blowing away the next closest team ever in history. Right. No one is trying to run the ball. And here's why this is so important that they get this, Scott, because right now when they play at Miami Dolphins and it's, what, late second quarter, and you know, you know at this point, you are not, you don't have to worry about whether you're going to give up a zero-yard run or a five-yard run. Right. You don't have to come out in base defense against 11 personnel Right. For the which means three wide receivers on the field and a flex tight end for Miami, you right. don't have to play that way. And then ask Jason Pierre Paul, you go cover the flat, Jamel Dean, you have to carry the vertical, push right. the post route to Mike Edwards, and then come back to the wheel route from the running back. Jamel Dean doesn't do it in time, he thinks it's just a flat route, he thinks yeah. he can just go vertical. Instead, boom, there goes the route down the sideline. But guess what? If you played more defensive backs and you played more better personnel in those matchups and didn't have five defensive linemen on the field right. against 11 personnel, weren't in your base defense against 11 personnel, yeah. that flat defender could just carry the route up the sideline. And Jim exactly. Dean wouldn't have to do too much. Yeah. But because Todd Bowles is so insistent upon staying in five defensive line base personnel defensively, it just hurts them in terms of coverage. They don't have the numbers. They don't have the athletes because Jason Pierre Paul's dropping into coverage with a club on his hand trying right. to make tackles in the open field. Uh, Shaq Barrett's dropping. Vita Vea's dropped eight times this season. You know, you've got all these guys dropping Anthony Nelson. JTS is dropping, and now he's he should. He dropped in zone coverage, right? They send right. the tight end right at him. He's got he's to gotta basically match against the tight end now in yep. man coverage. Well, he, that's not going to happen. Like, he never played man coverage in his life. Like, right. It's just... You know, the technique is is a whole different. So it just because he will use edge defenders in coverage sooner than he will go to nickel or dime personnel, they're going to keep getting exposed by tight ends and backs in the short to intermediate areas of the field until he changes that and accepts we are going to get thrown upon. Right. And I'm going to play defense and put personnel out there like we're going to get thrown on. And then yep. if, if teams start running for 200 against us, maybe I'll adjust. Right. But that's just not going to happen. They can still defend the run, man. They did it against exactly. the Chiefs. I've seen a couple questions about John Gruden. Um, I'm going to be writing about John Gruden in the Ring of Honor tomorrow. And the reason I haven't commented about it or written about it yet is because I wanted to think about it. I really wanted to think about it. And I'm still not 100% sure what I'm going to write. 
I've kind of gone back and forth in my mind about about certain things and elements because this is very layered. This is not just an easy thing. There's a lot of layers to this. So I'm not sure what I'm going to write about. But the one thing I do know is I wanted to really take my time to think about this from a lot of different angles. And I think one of the things that disturbs me initially is that the glaziers really quickly came out and I didn't see any torches or pitchforks uh, yesterday at one Buccaneer place uh, with, with this statement. And I think they rushed to judgment a little bit. Doesn't mean that, that their decision is wrong or right. I don't know yet. I'm still processing things, but I think that in this situation to make such a drastic move one way or the other, and listen, I've seen, you know, we're running a poll right now on Peter Report I, on our, our YouTube uh, page. And it's been, right now it's 56 say yes, it was the right decision, 44% say no. So it's been about an, an 8 to 14 margin, mostly yes, but, but closer to 50-50 than you might think. I thought it would be a little bit more skewed, like, 65 35 or so uh in terms of yes no but it's actually closer than that and i've read a lot of comments on twitter and it seems like the the more vocal people are the ones that are saying he should not have been removed um so we'll, we'll see i i'm gonna write about it tomorrow um but i i do think that them coming out so quickly i don't think the glaciers thought this through because i think this opens them up for some hypocrisy and I think a lot of the, the what about ism now, what about Warren Sapp? What about AB? Like it's opened that door. And listen, nobody has, has uh, supported the Glaziers more than I have and given them the props that they deserve for being one of the more, you know, uh, forward thinking, uh, societal driven ownership groups. And it starts with hiring three African-American head coaches, drafting three African-American quarterbacks in the first round. No other team has done that. There are some teams that still have not drafted a minority quarterback in the first round or have even made a minority hire for their head coach. The Buccaneers have done it three times. The Glaziers' track record speaks for itself. And I, and I really think actions speak more than words. So I'm going to continue to think about this, but I, I think there was a little bit of a rush to judgment here. And I didn't think that the Glaciers needed to come out with this decision right away. Um, and I, and I, I think that right or wrong, that rush to judgment doesn't sit well with people. I think that they should have had a little, little bit more of a reasoned response. The Bucks aren't even playing at home this weekend. There's not going to be anybody protesting. Uh, well, I'm not going to the stadium unless you know he, his name's taken off the ring of honor. I just don't think that's the case at all. So I would have liked to have seen – a little bit more thought put into this. Now, it's very layered, and I'm not getting into all the layers because this is a preview show. And I'll get into some of those layers tomorrow when I write about it. Um, yeah, I'll just I'll just say this. I to me, this conversation about the whataboutism, you know, other players should they be in the Ring of Honor? Should they be on the team? Those are good conversations, and to my mind, separate conversations from the conversation with Gruden because their candidacy or their validity and in being included in those groups, whatever they are, should be a different conversation. The the Gruden conversation, in my opinion, should be a vacuum. Should he or shouldn't he be, regardless of others? Then if you want to go talk about others too, I'm all for that. You know, I'm all for talking about whether SAP should be, you know, in there or not. That's, you know, that's a conversation for another time. But right now, Gruden's the topic. I think they made the right decision. It was a quick decision. 
Um, but in my mind, it was an easy decision too. So I'm, I'm anxious to see what you write for sure. Uh, there are a lot of layers to it, like you said. Um, yep. We got to talk about our friends over at Underdog Fantasy too, Scott. I mean, this yeah. is where it gets really interesting because I am kind of jumping into this thing and I won six large last week. <laughs> now I'm like, all right. Jay large. Jay can, can we go? Can we go? Can we go pick five here? If yep. people don't know, Underdog Fantasy's got an unbelievable opportunity right now that you really got to get in on with their pickums. On Underdog, you can select over or under on player stat lines. Mm-hmm. You can get a pick two correct and you can triple your money. You can get a pick five correct. And you win 20 times the amount of money that you enter with. It's simple. You go to underdogfantasy.com or download their app. You sign up with the promo code Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R, and you build a pick them in seconds. They're going to give you free $10 when you sign up and make your first deposit. So download the Underdog Fantasy app, sign up with the promo code Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R, and get your free $10 today. I love it because I've gone over and now, you know, I had two last week. Now my lock this week, Scott, is... Chris Godwin over 69 and a half receiving yards. Yeah. I think it's, a, I'm, I'm yeah. fully confident in it. Chris Godwin's going to have a lot of people there. He's from Penn state. He grew up in, in uh, Delaware. He was born in Philly. So that's his hometown as it's going to get for Chris Godwin. And I think he's itching to score a touchdown and, and I think he's going to have a big game. I, I do too. And I think that I'm looking at some of the other ones still and trying to make some decisions before tomorrow's game, but get over to these over-unders and see what you like. They're I mean, fine. Over-under, Mike Evans with five and a half catches, Godwin with five and a half catches, AB with 66 and a half receiving yards, Evans with 70 and a half, you know, Brady with 1.5 rush yards. That might be an over on yeah. Scott. I feel, <laughs> I might feel good about yeah. that one. Crazy too, legs so. Brady out there running around. That's right. And remember, new knee, five, you know. Yeah. If you go, if you enter that promo code pewter, you get the ten dollars to play, and then if yeah. you pick five, you get a chance to win twenty times the money that you put in. So, I'm, right. yeah, I'm excited about this week's uh, chances with the over unders on Underdog Fantasy. Yeah. Um, okay, so we talked about the JPP JTS thing, and I'm glad we got into that because I think that's a big question mark for this one. Here's the other thing for the Bucks defensively, Scott. There are some really just troubling stats this year. Yak is a big one. I mean, they are 32nd yeah. in the NFL in passing yards allowed per game, despite the fact. This is crazy to me that the average depth of target for opposing teams is just six yards, a little over six yards beyond the line of scrimmage. Right. So basically that's the shallowest in the league. So everybody is throwing short and underneath against them. Really short. Right. Only six passes of 20 yards or more in the air have been completed against them. Rally and tackle. That's it. Rally and tackle. That's right. They're literally they're last in the league in passing yards allowed per game. Because they're not tackling the yeah. catch. I mean, they're right. second to last in yards after catch allowed. I think more than half the yardage they've allowed through the air has been after the catch. So yeah. that's the whole big story for them, in my opinion. Like, if you tackle the catch and if you close quickly underneath, yeah. yes, they're still going to give up yak because teams are throwing so short against them. By nature, those passes tend to right. get more yak. But they won't give up. They won't be dead la- or you're second to last in the league. You know, and they won't be last in the league in passing yards allowed per game if they tackle right. better. They 13 missed tackles. That's got to improve this week, I think. Yeah, it really does. Uh, you know what else has to improve? Uh, maybe your financial status, John. You've got cool. some money to invest now, right? If you have another good week, you know what you <laughs> should do, right? You should take that money over to a Muni Financial. At a Muni Financial, we help you live in the now. Congratulations. We're so happy Thank for you. you. Thank you. And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future. How's retirement treating you? Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track so you can still prepare for tomorrow, today. 
Amuni Financial. Plan ahead, stay ahead. Managing your family's wealth means more to Amuni Financial than simply allocating your assets. It means legacy planning. It means brokerage and advisory services, retirement accounts, college savings accounts, and insurance services. With 40 years of experience here in the Tampa Bay area, let Immuni Financial help you plan ahead and stay ahead. Call Immuni Financial at 1-800-868-6864. That's 1-800-868-6864. Or visit Immuni.com. John, as you know, I am an Immuni customer. Mm-hmm. And I've been very happy with the returns I've been getting. Um, you know, I don't know where, where you are in terms of your your uh, retirement uh, investing yet. You're a young pup, what, 31 years old? 30 31. Years old? 31, 31. Yes. Okay, yeah. So you're probably not thinking about it yet. I Like you, I wasn't. I'm raising kids, all that stuff. Listen, college is going to be here before you know it. Set up some of those savings accounts for your girls to uh, so you have enough money for college because um, it gets more expensive as they get older. You think that it doesn't. Like, oh, they're out of diapers. You know, oh, they're, you know, we're out of, uh, you know, baby food and stuff. But then like you're buying cars and you're paying for college and things like that. It gets super expensive. So Amuni Financial has done a great job with my investments and in helping me save money, not just for retirement, but for those big ticket items like cars and kids' colleges and things like mm-hmm. that. Absolutely. Yeah. Great place for people to look into uh, to put aside some of their money for sure. Um, Scott, we've covered a lot of ground in this matchup. One thing we haven't talked about is penalties. This is oh, this is a battle of attrition in terms of penalties, Scott. <sighs> Yeah. The Bucs are thir- tied for 31st in the NFL in penalties with 40. That means that at the bottom, that's bad. The Eagles are last in the NFL in penalties, right. <laughs> 50 penalties. So yeah. even between second to last place and last place, there is a 10 penalty difference, Scott. The Eagles are being yes. penalized at an almost unsustainable rate this season. They are just killing themselves with penalties, yeah. and they're, they're only – this is the – they're, they're 31st in pre-snap penalties behind the Bucs. So the Bucs still, despite a 10-penalty discrepancy between them, the Eagles are still first in pre-snap penalties. And wow. I think I'm going to actually go back. I think they've been first in pre-snap penalties since Arians' Bulls arrived. Like, yeah. I don't know if they just don't care. But remember last year, they were way first in neutral zone and defensive offside. So I bet yeah. in terms of all pre-snaps, they were probably last two in the NFL. Yeah, and, and I think, too, um, you know, a lot of that is Shaq Barrett. He's usually up there in terms of, of pre-snap Let's penalties. see. I'm going to look right now and tell you who's the worst yeah. <laughs> transgressor. Um, I, well, I want to say it was Carlton and Donovan Smith. There might be a new leader in the clubhouse, but I think they each had three. I think someone has four. And this season or last season are you talking th- about? This season, yeah. Okay. Usually Donovan's up there, you know, pretty good. But I think Donovan – listen, the – the little chokehold he had, the legal hands to face, whatever on, on the negating the big Antonio Brown catch in New England. I thought that was kind of ticky tack. The refs. Oh, have, a lot of these penalties have been garbage. They've been they've been awful. And I've I rewatched the pass interference on Ross Cockrell from this oh, Jalen Waddle down the sideline. I Just was like ridiculous. I mean, yeah. it's <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, I, I even said to Bruce uh, Arians in in the Monday press conference. Yeah. I said, yeah, you know, Shaq Barrett. Should have had a, a sack fumble in week two when he perfectly timed the snap count. Instead, he got flagged for offsides, and it was perfectly timed. But that's how he wins. He wins with that first step. Sometimes he has to just time it. Sometimes he's wrong, and he gets the false start. But that was an instance where the refs were actually wrong. And and then, of course, you were talking about the refs. He also punched the ball out in uh, the Patriots game. So this is a guy that should have an extra forced fumble, 
another forced fumble with the strip sack and then another sack. So he should have three forced fumbles and I believe four and a half sacks right now. Instead, he's got one forced fumble and three and a half sacks. So, yeah. Yeah. That one would have ended that game a lot sooner than it ended up ending, I think. But okay. So this year you're right. Shaq has one, just the one that you and I agree was a bad call. JPP has two this year. Sue's got one. Um, Somebody had one on special teams. I think Grant Stewart maybe, or somebody had, uh, one yeah. on special teams Kevin last Minter year one on special teams right last year jpp had four defensive offsides yeah shaq barrett oh, had four and, neutral yeah. zone they're, they're coming and they're two, coming i mean we have seven three games defensive now. offsides so shaq barrett yeah. by himself last year had seven that's what and i'm Dominic saying and Sue also had seven last year yes and jpp had four defensive offsides yep. so they yeah i mean these guys those three are the worst i mean they're just it's unbelievable how bad yep. they are. Look <laughs> at that. Yeah, and um, they protect the quarterback too much too. I agree with, with Matthew oh, Sands, yeah. who uses my favorite word, sissification. Sissification. You're sissifying the league. <laughs> uh, yeah. By the way, Nacho, in limited action, well, I guess more when Vea went down, but he had two neutral yeah. zone infractions and one defensive offside. Yeah. So it's it's embarrassing how much of a problem it is. They need to get it straightened out, obviously. It's a, it's a you know not as big a deal as some other things, but hey, look, when your defense is struggling, you're down four starters. That's right. It all helps. It all makes an impact, Scott. Yeah. Speaking of impact, John, I'm going to be making an impact this weekend with my bets. Mm-hmm. You know, you know where I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it at my bookie. My bookie. That's right. Where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. That's why I always tell people to put their money down at my bookie. The Arizona Cardinals, yeah, they come up to a fast, hot start. The Chiefs, they got as many losses right now as they did all of last year. With all the overs that are hitting. In these dying seconds of the game, there's been a lot of nail-biting games that come down to the wire, John. There's never been a better time to get in on all the action. Thankfully, my bookie's lock of the season's returned. And if you remember, I told you last week, the Las Vegas-Seattle NHL opening night game, they had a lock of the season. They do this several times per year. They did it a couple weeks ago for a UFC fight. If there's blood, you win, Okay. They did it for the, the Bucks Cowboys opener. Whoever scores a point, you win. So you you get to bet. Will there be a point in this game? Last night it was. Will there be a goal in this game? Yeah, duh. And it's free twenty five bucks. I won twenty five bucks last night. Yeah. So Double by the Penguins. That's where. Oh, come on, John. We're not talking <laughs> about that game. Now, where's the mute button? Can I mute you? You can. Mute you right you can mute me. I know. I'm not going to. Um, congratulations on your hot one and no start. 81 more games to go. Thank you, thank you. But, John, take it easy. Pat yourself on the back and use your winnings towards your NFL picks for week six, which includes a battle between two potential Super Bowl contenders when the Arizona Cardinals meet the Browns. Don't miss out on a winning season. Head to my bookie, use the promo code Pewter, and you'll get double your first deposit. That's promo code Pewter. So you can double your funds to double your winnings. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. And I'm telling you, John, I did that, and I got 25 bucks right in my bank account. When they do these locks of the season, yeah. you only get $25. That's the max bet. But go ahead and do it. And they literally do it. I think they've done it four or five times this year. So that I've essentially won 100, 125 bucks free. That's the great thing about my bookie. They they do these locks of the season. Take advantage of them. That's great. Love it. Brian Shucker, a $10 super chat. We greatly appreciate that, Brian. He is like, Brian is like basically pushing us to, uh, he's like, hey, get more ring lights, get new devices, new laptops, yeah, more shows. You know, Brian really, 
yeah, he's uh, the super jets have been much appreciated, Brian. Guess that depends on how much you're paying him, Scott. Um, yeah, I think this is, uh, you know, as we kind of dive into this and get through this one, uh, this matchup, we're getting to that predictions point now. And it's like, I, I just feel like for whatever reason, Scott, there's no logic to it at all, but it's just like, you know, the Bucks just prime time, regular season. Yeah. It just hasn't been like even the Cowboys game where they did right. so many things well and Brady's played well in, sure. in prime. But the Giants game season. last year, Monday Night Football, you know? Yeah. I mean, going back to last year, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, there was a mess. And then in the playoffs, you know, even the Eagles game or the Washington game was the only night game, I believe, of the ones they played in the playoffs. Correct, other than yes. the Super Bowl, obviously. Other than Super Bowl, but, yeah. Right. And so they figured it game, out. You know? They figured it out. Right. That's yeah. a little different, maybe. <laughs> um, right. Uh, on the road at night, uh, I don't know, Scott. I just think, I don't think the Bucks are going to lose, but I just think it's going to be closer than it probably should be. Um, not like the Miami game where it felt like, all right, this is just a matter of time until this is a blowout. And then it was. Right. Um, I think I'm going, I'm going 33 26 Bucks win. I think they're up 30 to 26. They okay. drive for a late field goal, and the Eagles have a chance to drive late in the game for a touchdown. And, Todd and they get towards them. Todd Bowles' defense rises up in a thrilling yeah. finish. Richard Sherman with a overtime. daring interception. That would be to end the game. That'd be an awesome story. Post game yeah. Pew Report podcast would be popping, Scott. Before I get to your prediction, let's talk about what we're going to be doing for shows tomorrow because I'm really excited. It is right. tomorrow. It's tomorrow. Which is exciting. Folks, yes. It's tomorrow. 7 20 p.m. Eastern is going to be the Pewter pregame show. There are going to be a bunch of us Pewter reporters on there doing what we do, laying down the pregame show, analysis, matchups, all that kind of stuff, stats. We'll be getting into the whole thing tomorrow at 7 20. Then the, the game day show starts at 8 20 p.m. That's going to be myself and Trevor Sikama on the game day show. So very excited about that. Trevor, uh, yeah, he's gonna he's he's very excited, I think, yeah, to be on the, the, the game day show. We'll be live. Stands. He's ready to go. That's right. He's, we'll be live with shield. you throughout he's the ready. game. Oh wow, he's he's got multiple looks here. He's on multiple yes. sides of this infinity war. This is yeah, yeah. I mean that's um, that's if you think Trevor is a good guy or a bad guy. Yeah, that's true. And I think well, that basically everybody thinks he's a good guy, but as it relates to the right. Bucks, they may think he's a bad guy. Hopefully, tomorrow he shows up a little more like this, maybe. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's old school Gator the young Trevor. Trevor that. Oh Look my at gosh. The young buck. That was before the, the man bun. He was growing out the hair on the top so he could have a man bun. That's right. Yeah. This was before the man bun. It never even entered yeah. this man's mind that's at that great. point. He never imagined that's, being that cool. It's back when he shaved, too. Look yeah, at that. That's, that's right. Yep. So uh, Trevor will be on the show with me on. Uh, on the game uh, throughout the game, so we'll be breaking everything down, analysis, yep. uh, all of that kind of stuff. You know, X's and O's. We'll be talking. I'm sure there'll be plenty of humor as well as we go through this Bucks Eagles game. Hopefully, the game lends itself to us being a, a little more yeah. laid back. We'll see. Oh, happens. oh, you here's know, here's the sure. thing too. Uh, I I talk with Trevor, um, and you know, I, I mean, obviously, it's like I want to clear it with you too because you know you're the host with me, Trevor's the guest, but Trevor's the old school host. Back when we used to do the, the Pewter Nation podcast, now the Pewter Report yeah. podcast. But I am going to be telling the Chuck Berry story tomorrow <laughs> during the Pewter Game Day show. You sure so, we're going to have time? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we don't have time today, John. We're already over yeah, an hour. Right. So but it will be definitely. tomorrow. So right. during during the Pewter Game Day show, um, we'll, we're, we'll figure out a time. But I'm going to be telling the Chuck Berry story. So don't miss okay. that. Right. If you think it's if you funny, think we'll have time. It's a good story. I, yeah, yeah. We don't have time today, John. We're not going to do it right. today. Not today. Tomorrow. Because I'm tomorrow. sure Trevor wants to hear it. And he heard it right. again when I told it like years ago. But it's worth right. repeating. We've got a much bigger audience now. The Chuck Berry story is it's uh right. it's larger than life. 
Oh boy. Yeah. 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 We'll make time for it. No question about yeah. that. So, yeah. um, all right. Well, uh, so tomorrow that, and then the pewter post game show too, I forgot to tell you about that. The pewter post game show is going to be at right at, well, probably 45 minutes after the game. So we'll, the game yeah. will finish. We'll do about, uh, we'll do, we'll run about 45 minutes with the pressers right. getting up our post game content. And then after that, we will kind of jump in and be like, uh, do the, we'll have a new link up for the post game yep. show. Everybody can jump in there with us as well. So that'll be a good time as well. So yeah, we're excited about that. We're looking forward to it tomorrow. Bucks Eagles, Thursday night football, right. a little uh, Thursday night football action. going to be yep. fun. So, so I, I'm predicting the bucks are going to win this one 30 to 23. They're going to win by touchdown. So I predicted the same score last week. I predicted again, I think they're going to hit 30, which they will. So if you want to read everybody's previews and predictions, you can do that. Our pewter preview and prediction story is up on pewterreport.com right now. And you can check that out. We got everybody up there from myself and John and JC and Casey and Paul. So you can read all of our predictions and see if anybody picked the Eagles. Yeah, absolutely. It could be good stuff. So we appreciate everybody jumping in and, uh, we appreciate you jumping in for this show and for tomorrow on the show as well. So we're looking forward to it. We'll see you then. Until then, thanks for listening so much to another edition of the Pewter Report Podcast. Out. Out.